It's March 28th. This is the one-year Bible tour, and my name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide, your reading partner, and your consistency coach. My goal is to encourage you to get the whole picture as we read through the entire Bible this year. We get a Christocentric view as we take in the panorama of the story. We've already seen that Jesus is the promised seed of the woman and the promised seed of Abraham in the book of Genesis, who will bring salvation to those who put their trust in God's word about his son. We see that Jesus is the hero of the story in the book of Exodus. He's the Passover lamb and the author of the great deliverance. He's the perfect atoning sacrifice in the book of Leviticus, the brazen serpent saving his people from death in the book of Numbers, and now in the book of Deuteronomy, he is the lawgiver and also the law keeper. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 46, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Both the Old and New Testament portions today deal with the importance of hearing. Hearing is more than listening. It involves understanding and acting accordingly. We need the Holy Spirit to be our hearing aid, to teach us and to lead us so that we can live in the light and the life and the power of God's self-revelation in Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is where we are today, and we're going to start with verse 1, with a repeated call to hear. Verse 1. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know, and of whom you have heard it said, Who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly, as the Lord has promised you. Do not say in your heart, After the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess the land, whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm his word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob." Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Even at Horeb you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. When I went up the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you, I remained on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words that the Lord had spoken with you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And at the end of forty days and forty nights, the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. 
they have made themselves a metal image. Furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Then I lay prostrate before the Lord as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you so that he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time. And the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Then I took the sinful thing, the calf that you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw the dust out of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. At Taborah also, and at Massa, and at Kibroth Hataava, you provoked the Lord to wrath. And when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and take possession of the land that I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and did not believe him or obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. So I lay prostrate before the Lord for these forty days and forty nights, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. And I prayed to the Lord, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your heritage, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not regard the stubbornness of this people, or their wickedness, or their sin, lest the land from which you brought us say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land that he promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. For they are your people and your heritage, whom you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. Chapter 10 At that time the Lord said to me, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood, and cut two tablets of stone like the first, and went up the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets, in the same writing as before, the Ten Commandments that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me, then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I had made. And there they are, as the Lord commanded me. The people of Israel journeyed from Beroth Benizhakan to Maserah. There Aaron died, and there he was buried. And his son Eleazar ministered as priest in his place. From there they journeyed to Gudgoda, and from Gugoda to Jatbatha, a land with brooks of water. 
At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to Him, and to bless in His name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. I myself stayed on the mountain, as at the first time, forty days and forty nights. And the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. And the Lord said to me, Arise, go on your journey at the head of the people, so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set His heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven." And this is the end of today's reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. As Moses summons the people of Israel to recount their privileges and responsibilities in their covenant relationship with God, he repeatedly calls them to hear. Jesus, during his second Galilean ministry, speaks in parables. Luke reports, As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We'll be reading about that in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. It is a special gift to be given ears to hear with understanding. It is also a gift to hunger for truth, recognize the truth when you hear it, and to be able to live accordingly. The Hebrew word used for hear is Shema. This also is the name for the Hebrew prayer repeated daily by practicing Jews. The prayer is the Hebrew text from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and is a reminder of the special summons given to Israel to receive God's self-revelation through His Word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, is a call to worship. Notice how Moses often calls Israel to hear. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. Deuteronomy 5, verse 1. Then he repeats the Ten Commandments. Hear, O Israel. So not only is it a call to worship, but it is a call to obey. Then he tells them why they should hear. Hear, O Israel. It is a call to experience what God has promised. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, 
and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. He reminds them that it is a miraculous privilege of grace to hear the word of God. Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Deuteronomy 4, verse 33. We are tested on what we hear. In Deuteronomy 4, 36. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice to discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, he reminds them that it is a call to go outside their comfort zone. Their problems outsize them, but God outsizes their problems. Hear, O Israel, that thou art to pass over the Jordan this day, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fortified up to heaven. Moses reminds them that their future victory is not due to the size of their army or because of any righteousness of their own. It is all of grace. God was bringing judgment upon the Canaanites for their wickedness. Moses reminds the Israelites that it is only because of God's mercy that they were not consumed for their stubbornness. Moses then recounts their history of faithlessness and the many times during which they provoked the Lord to anger. We learn of Moses' two periods of being on Sinai for forty days and nights. He was on the mount for the first giving of the law, written by the finger of God on the two tablets he had chiseled out of stone. The first giving of the law brought condemnation to the lawbreakers who were worshipping the golden calf at the base of the mountain. Moses shattered this first set of stone tablets in the sight of all the people. The law was given that we might all see that we are law-breakers and in need of a new covenant if we are to be justified as righteous before God. Moses then intercedes. Through the intercession of another, a second covenant is made. Moses is a type of the greater mediator of the new covenant, Jesus Christ. Tablets are chiseled out of stone, and once again the same words, the Ten Commandments, are written upon them by the finger of God. This time, the stone tablets are hidden away inside the ark. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 5. This law is not broken before the eyes of the people. Instead, this revelation of righteousness is kept intact. We don't look to keeping the law as our means of justification and acceptance before God. We look to the ark. We look to Christ. And of course, the ark is a picture of Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Moses asked the Israelites to hear. They are to remember that they are loved and chosen by God. They are to be tender-hearted rather than stubborn. Deuteronomy 10, verses 15 and 16. The Lord is a God of justice, but He's also a God of compassion. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him. You shall swear by his name. He is your praise and he is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt seventy persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 to 22, 
in the New American Standard Bible. Now let's go to our reading from the New Testament, where we'll also learn about hearing. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. The Parable of the Sower And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This concludes the reading of the New Testament portion today. Here in Luke chapter 8, we have the third and final encounter with the parable of the soils as we read through the New Testament. Otherwise known as the parable of the sower and the seed, this parable describes how the kingdom begins with the preaching of God's word. The lesson of this parable is that not all who hear the word of God truly will receive it as such, as given in the example of the wayside hearers. The devil who blinds the minds of those who believe not snatches the gospel seed away. Some will embrace the word only for a quick fix for a felt need. They receive the word with joy, embracing the prospect of sensing his presence, experiencing miracles, with hope for personal comforts and blessings. This is what we might call the shallow hearer. In the times of testing, when their feelings are challenged, when persecution, affliction, or hardships are experienced, they fall away. Some receive the word, but do not make sufficient room for it. These are the choked hearers. Allowing competing interests, cares, riches, and the pleasures of this life, 
to choke it to the degree it never fulfills its true purpose of growing up to the fullness of the stature of Christ and bringing forth fruit. Many of Jesus' contemporaries talked about the kingdom of God. They looked for the Messiah and the establishment of God's rule among His people. But when the King came, they rejected Him as not fitting the bill. That's the wayside hearer. These were the Pharisees and scribes who by this point in Jesus' ministry had rejected Him. The devil took away the seed. They were already looking for ways they could get rid of Him. Some received Jesus because of His miracles and blessings. He could feed them, but when His popularity began to wane, as He spoke about His indispensability as the one who would feed them salvation through the offering of His body and blood, they followed Him no more. Suffering, persecution, hardship, and the prospect of identifying with someone who insisted that we must be losers, those who lose their life in Him in order to find it, that was too much for them. These were the shallow hearers. There were those who heard the word but did not make sufficient room in their hearts for it. Jesus spoke of counting the cost. The deceitfulness of material prosperity is that riches promise what they cannot deliver. When we seek earthly pleasures and become preoccupied with the cares of this age, the work of the word to reproduce Christ in the heart is aborted. The rich young ruler returns home sorrowing. Some people think that they are Christ followers and kids of the kingdom, but they fail to repent of their own plans of salvation. The true kingdom of God starts with the word sown in the heart. It is sown for the purpose of reproducing Christ in such a way that hearers grow to become fruitful followers of Christ and authentic children of the kingdom. This is the goal of Christian discipleship. Jesus explains the purpose of the parables. To some, they will clarify the truth of the kingdom. To others, they will conceal the truth of the kingdom, thus fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. He said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, and their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, referred to in Luke chapter 8, verse 10. The prophecy Jesus refers to from Isaiah has to do with Israel not receiving the word given. On Jesus' first campaign in Galilee, he made known his identity as the Messiah, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. The religious leaders quickly rejected Jesus and would soon attribute his miracles to Beelzebub, thus sealing their rejection of him as Messiah. From that point on, they would seek ways to deliver Jesus to death. The truth will not be hidden for long. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Luke 8, 16-17 The light was not meant to be covered with a bushel basket. It was not meant to be under a bed. That's a good way to set a bed on fire. But this is what the enemies of the gospel were doing, and do today. They take the truth of the word and hide it from people, or they foolishly put it in the wrong place to their destruction. But there is a day of full vindication coming for the word of God, 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is not meant to be kept a secret. One day, everyone will know God's word is true. As C.S. Lewis said, eternity will make believers out of everyone. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. The gospel is not meant to be the secret to which only a few have access, as taught by the Gnostics, New Thought practitioners, and other religious gurus. God used the rejection of the religious leaders for His sovereign purpose. They did what God had planned, Acts chapter 4, verse 28. So seeing they saw not, and hearing they heard not. Jesus speaks of a day of reckoning. We must all give an answer to God for what we did with His word. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, that is a capacity to receive as a child of God, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even that which he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. Luke 8, verse 18, New American Standard Bible. Let us not only receive the word of God with a tenderized heart, but let us exercise our capacity to practice it. By God's grace, we will persevere grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ with other believers, and bring forth fruit. Yes, to him or her whom has been given a capacity to receive, more shall be given. He that has an ear, let him hear. And now let's turn to the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook, reading from Psalm 69, verses 19 through 36. There are seven quotations from Psalm 69 in the New Testament referring to the Messiah. So let's begin with verse 19. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah. And people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love his name shall dwell in it. This concludes our reading from the book of Psalms. Yesterday we read the first part of the psalm, where in verse 4 we read, What I did not steal, I then have to restore. The psalmist may view it as a complaint. The Savior views it as the logical necessity of love. The verse gives us a clue to the purpose of Christ's suffering on the cross, satisfying the demands of God's justice on behalf of the guilty. 
He restores what was stolen. He who knew no sin, willingly identified with a sinner, took his punishment for sin and made righteous restitution. His sacrificial substitutionary death satisfied the requirement for the guilt offerings that we read about in Leviticus chapter 5 through chapter 6 verse 7. He restored all that Adam lost in the fall and more. Adam's original state was one of innocence. Jesus restores us to a state of righteousness. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21, we read, He, that is God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The psalmist expresses his anger against the wrongs he suffered and asks God to bring retribution upon his enemies. Anger is an emotional response to a perceived injustice. The New Testament gives us this instruction, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. We do not perceive accurately. We do not know what is in our hearts and the hearts of others. But God does. His anger is righteous. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, we read, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. God will bring retribution. He will repay. If Christ's payment on the cross is ultimately despised, then divine retribution will be faced in the end. The value of his payment for sin is effective only for those who believe. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. The psalmist anticipates God's retribution upon the guilty at the final judgment referred to in the book of Revelation. May they be blotted out of the book of life, and may they not be recorded with the righteous. Psalm 69, verse 28. In the New Testament book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 5, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. In Revelation 20:15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 25, In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When we read the psalmist's ill wishes upon others, we might wonder at his anger. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, His concern was not personal but relative. He feared lest other believing and loyal souls should be deflected from faith and dishonored because of what they saw of his sufferings. Thus his chief concern was the honor of his God. Let these maledictions be carefully considered in the light of this fact, and it will be seen that their inspiration was that of a consuming passion for the vindication of the righteousness of God as victorious over all those who rebelled against His government and so insulted His holiness. End of quote. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. The New Living Translation puts it well, Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots.
May our faith be rooted and grounded securely in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us ears. Let us hear in such a way that we receive your word as it truly is, the word of life, the word of truth, your word, the word of God. Thank you for the process of renewing our minds. Empower our obedience so we will be doers and not hearers only. We want to be rooted and grounded in Christ. You have made him to be for us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. May your Holy Spirit bring forth the fruit of his indwelling for your glory and for the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this journey of reading through the Bible in a year, and we hope that you are encouraged and that the meditation of your heart will be sweet this day. If you want to know more about New Life Community Church or you'd like a written transcript of our commentary, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. God bless you. Seize the day. Delight in the Lord, for He delights in you in Christ.